4: Welcome to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas, as always. And we're back to recap the Titans' 19-10 win over the Indianapolis Colts. They complete the season sweep of the Colts, and I think they've won five straight, I think it is, against the, the Colts over the past couple of seasons. Uh, so they pretty much own them at this point, and it, it feels good because I'm sure we're going to talk about it at some point in the podcast, but man, the hype the Colts have gotten every single off season since Chris Ballard has been the GM there has been absurd, honestly, because they've never done anything. Their best quarterback has been has been Phil Rivers over the past like five years, uh, which is crazy. But um, anyway, it, it just felt good to get uh, that win over the Colts, and I'm sure you're elated after. Um, after not only we won, Matt Ryan got benched as well.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a weird thing because I don't think Sam Ellinger's the answer or anything like that. Like I that that will never be like something I'm afraid of. That's that's the Rusty Smith effect. But I I don't know. Eventually, this won't be right, and you know like what we're seeing is what we're getting. And, you know, uh, the Titans will do stuff in the offseason that doesn't make sense and it won't always work out. And other teams will spend a lot of money and they will get better. But between the Texans and the Jaguars and the Colts, like the whole offseason, them just rotating the the wow is David Davis Mills. If he was in this draft, he would have been a top 10 pick. Which we heard a lot. And Trevor Lawrence is going to take huge steps forward. And the Jaguars look like a team to beat. Like they're playing against Philly and why, both teams look exactly like this same.
4: division. Oh, this division always gets hyped up for no reason. For no it, reason. Like it sucks and it has sucked for the past five to seven years. And people keep trying to make this seem like everyone's going to challenge the Titans. And it just doesn't happen. It hasn't happened for the past uh, four or so years or something like that.
2: Yeah, you know, I kind of relate it to Baltimore in the North, although even them, like, they they rotate with the Steelers and stuff, but it's, like, year after year, like, the Steelers and the Ravens are pretty consistent, so that's why teams like the Bengals and the Browns, when they do things, they get, you know, everybody, you know, puts all their attention on them, and so people want somebody new or or whatever, but I, I just don't get it. Like, I mean... We there's a lot we can talk about because uh, and and I won't dig too much into this right now. We can talk about it later just about Vrabel, but. It there it's so much smoke and mirrors with all these other teams. It's, you know, well, it's OK to pay a, an off ball linebacker and a guard 20 million dollars a year if you're the Colts, because you guys got to understand, you know, they're the Colts. Like these guys are future Hall of Famers. And then, you know. Shaq Leonard doesn't play uh, again. Like, and he, he, you know, he's got a concussion and back problems or whatever, but that doesn't change the fact that they just paid him $20 million. Like, if you did that – if if Derrick Henry did that and he was getting injured every other game, like, that would be a, a talking point that people brought up. And then Nelson is getting thrown around the house like he's a ragdoll, and not, not just one, but in, you know, both of the Titans matchups with him this year, and nobody's saying a word about it. And it's just like uh, there's so much – Ignorance is the wrong word, but it fits where it's just there's so much ignorance about the AFC South nationally that it's like they're handed talking points from Chris Ballard, which may just actually be what's happening. And it's like, this is why my team's good. And then because he spends the most time sucking up to the media and building those connections, however you want to phrase it, everybody just decides to talk themselves into uh, the Colts. And, you know, okay, but year after year, it's the same thing. And, you know, it happens the same way, you know, the Colts. Oh, you know, it, this is a big matchup. You know, if the Colts win this, it's going to be hard to, to overtake them because the Titans have a difficult schedule. Then the Titans win. Then, Oh, this next time it's like, okay, well, you know, if the Colts get even, it's really like a two game swing for them because of how it would be. And the Titans win then. And then the week after it's, do we need to change quarterbacks? This is a nightmare. It, like it, it's the same thing year after year after year. And, it happens in different ways, but the results are still the same. Like, you know, for years, it was the offensive line was going to be fine. They just needed a good quarterback. And now it's the wide receivers are good. You know, they just need their offensive line to hold up long enough for Matt Ryan to throw. And now it's just like it, they, they keep constantly changing and, you know, moving the goalpost to make to say, like, OK, they solved this problem. But actually, it, look, I I'm talking a lot here because there's so much to say about the Colts and We've talked a lot about how they're overhyped every season, but as for this specific game, it, it, it was great to see because it seemed like maybe the Colts had figured out, okay, if we throw the ball 50 times, that's the key, you know, that'll fix our problems. And, you know, it kind of made sense because the Titans were so committed to stopping the running game uh, the, the last time they played that, you know, that, that might have worked, but You know, the Titans instantly shut that down and had a plan for that, and, you know, it it was a great day for them. So uh, the long and the short of it is the Titans continue to own the Colts, and regardless of what changes over the next 12 months, the the assumption should be that the Titans will own the Colts again next year because that's what we should have learned.
4: Yeah, you touched on a lot of things, and we definitely had – uh, the Titans being on top of the AFC South with Matt Ryan being benched uh, for Sam Ellinger as Ellinger? Ellinger? No, Ellinger. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, we, we definitely had that as a talking point. I think it kind of uh, coincides with, with this Titans win uh, over the Colts. there was a, There was a moment in the game where I started to get a little worried. I was like, we might maybe lose this game, but not really. Like, it wasn't really ever in doubt because the Titans defense was just playing absolutely lights out. They had the perfect game plan uh, against the Colts. They let Paris Campbell catch whatever 10 balls for 70 yards, which doesn't do anything to you. Like that doesn't, that doesn't hurt you. Uh, And they're really clamped down on, On the same type of game plan that the Colts had against the Jaguars, that worked really well with a lot of crossing routes uh, and stuff across the middle. But the Titans just didn't let that happen. Almost all of Campbell's uh, catches were like in the flat and and almost near the line of scrimmage. um, And there really wasn't too much uh, that the Colts could really do damage with. They didn't get Alec Pierce involved. Which was a little bit surprising because he's been their most consistent uh, receiver. And then Pittman had, you know, one of his uh, one of his games where he's not used more than like five to seven yards down the field. Uh, super weird. But the Titans really had a good game plan on defense. They end up getting that pick six with Andrew Adams, who turned into Kevin Byard for a game. I, I I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Especially because Imani Hooker was back from his injury and Adams was still playing so much. Uh, but he did so because he was playing fantastic. He he, he had one of it. I mean, he hit the best game I've ever seen uh, from him. So that was awesome to see that the defense seems to they're good. They're just very good. They get so much pass rush uh, with that front four. Bud Dupree was back and he looked awesome, uh, which we've kind of been waiting to see for since he got here. Really, we just haven't been able to see it because of injuries and, and that long recovery from. Uh, from his ACL that kind of seeped in, into, into, uh, into last season. Um, but yeah, the defense is awesome. Danico Autry is a stud. Jeffrey Simmons is a stud. Got a little scared when he got injured there, uh, towards the end, but I think he came back in the game, right?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. It, like it, Ben Jones went out of play. Uh, Simmons went out. I think like it, it, basically everybody came back in. Like, I think they yeah. missed like a combined, like six plays between them. Like, it, it was, and not only did uh, Simmons come back in, but he like made a tackle. Like he did, like, he did it all game. But there was like a little dump off over the middle, and like the running back didn't go down, and like on first contact, and he just washed over him like a wave. And then he kind of laid there for a second, and then he got back up, and I was like, oh, please don't get hurt. He's
4: that that man. That man is is a stud. There's no there's no other word uh, to describe him. I mean, I don't know. I, I think the only defensive tackle I'd take over him right now. Uh, is Aaron Donald, and, and given that Aaron Donald is already 30, I think Simmons is probably the guy you want, the number one defensive tackle you want on your team for uh, for the foreseeable future. And it's it's crazy, um, it's crazy that he's on our team, and, and you really can build a defense around him, which is kind of what uh, the Titans have done. So definitely a lot of positives there. The offense was was gross. I think. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, they they weren't really needed because the Colts' uh, offense just wasn't getting much done. And the Titans' defense uh, ended up scoring that pick six, and, and it kind of almost put the game at a reach really quickly. Uh, so the offense wasn't needed much. I thought Henry looked uh, as good as he has the past couple of weeks. Uh, he continues to just destroy the Colts. It, it's, it, it's beautiful. He always plays uh, well against them. Tannehill ends up getting injured in this game. Uh, he was in a walking boot uh, after the game. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's going to play next week. We'll we'll talk about we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, but the offense really wasn't needed too much. But there's still stuff that we're seeing that's that's bad. Like Dennis Daly cannot continue to play. He is terrible. He he's. He's just—he's just terrible. He's—he's he, he's a backup level tackle, and almost not even backup level. He might be third string uh, level at this point. Uh, I mean, I don't know why he—why he keeps playing. They got to find uh, a different solution there, but I don't know if they will because, you know, Mike Vrabel just is loyal to these bad players for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, that's bad. And then the receiving core is just. Destroyed. They they had four active receivers, uh, in this game, uh, and they were barely used. Like Robert Woods doesn't look up to speed. He doesn't look like his his normal self. Cody Hollister and Austin Hooper paced, uh, the Titans in this game. Austin Hooper had a really good game. Had a great catch. Uh, but what do you think about the offense? And and is the defense just going to have to carry this team for the rest of the season? Is that how it is?
2: Well, it's weird, right? Because we spent, you know, the last two weeks, everybody talked about the red zone efficiency, the red red zone efficiency, and all the Titans have to do is get the ball close to the red zone, and then, you know, they'll put up 30 points a game. And it's like, well, they had four field goals this, or, this game. Like, that. The, you had to be pretty close. Like, the drive stalled out because of bad play calling, and they should have had another drive where they scored points when Malik Willis fumbled the ball on that, or, or bad handoff or whatever. it. It looked like he bubbled out a little bit when the ball was snapped. It looked like he bounced away from the line of scrimmage about a step, if you go back and watch it. But I don't know if that was by design or if that was just a mistake because he's a quarterback and he shouldn't be running a jet sweep. But, you know, they they did what they wanted to do, which is move the ball more effectively. And they had some down-the-field passes. You know, Hollister had a big one to open the game and uh, set up the first field goal. And then Hooper had his two big ones and then his one that he caught that was – you know, a, a catch for no gain that he turned into an 11 yard gain on third and 10. So that was good. So again, I, I, I wish they could do multiple things right each week because I, I would like to have seen them turn two of the, because th- there were opportunities for them to score. And then, you know, Hilliard had two drops on, on one, Uh, You know, there was, it was a first down, second down, third down, and he had drops on first and third down, I believe in the red zone. And one of them was, it would have been a hard catch to make when you go back. You know, everybody in the crowd, you know, kind of gasped like it was going to be picked. But if you look back, like the, the defensive back can't get to it, it bounces off of Hilliard's hands. And you know, nine times out of 10, he makes that catch. And then another time he just kind of got rattled because the guy was right behind him and it would have been fourth and one. And then again, you know, Raidens who had a great day and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but he had that false start on fourth and one uh, on like inside the five or whatever it was. So th- there were times when they could have been if they were cleaner, they would have scored more touchdowns and they would have beaten the Colts, you know, 30 to 30 to 10 or whatever. But, you know, it, if you can win a game 19 to 10, great. You know, it's a two-possession game. You pretty much control the other team's defense or offense with your defense, and you never have to really overexert yourself. But I'm sure there's plenty of plays they want back, and they would like to have their quarterback not get hurt for the whole fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the next, like, fixable thing uh, for the Titans going forward. Um, The offense hasn't been great this whole season, but you really need to turn some of those field goal attempts into touchdowns, especially going deeper into the year and and especially in the playoffs. Like, I don't think you're going to win too many games in the playoffs if you're settling for field goals, uh, because that's just, it's not going to be able to hold up. Thankfully, the NFL sucks right now. So it might, it might get you uh, a win in in the playoffs, but then you start playing some of the elite offenses like the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, the Bengals right now are cooking on offense. Uh, and it's really going to be tough to <clears throat> to kind of keep pace with those types of teams. But, I mean, until they get there, they'll probably be fine because the rest of the NFL right now just isn't scoring a lot of points. We're in like a severe uh, – we're in a severe points drought right now where defenses are just playing well and offenses are playing awful, and it's kind of the recipe for the Titans to win games. Um and it's why they've won four straight. It's why they're probably going to end up uh, winning the AFC South just because they're not terrible and they don't commit too many mistakes. They And, you know, they're good enough to just get by. in a lot of these games and their schedule uh, isn't as daunting as, as we initially uh, thought. So feel good about the Titans going forward. I, I feel better because uh, the AFC South, man, like... We talked a little bit about, the be- about it at the beginning that, you know, they always try to hype up this division. They try to hype up the Colts. They try to hype up the Jaguars. The Texans, not really. I feel like mo- most of everyone is just like, mm, no, no, not really. Although they had a couple of games at the beginning of the year that that made you a little optimistic about them, that they could hold their own. And they've been in games, but they just don't have uh, enough talent and they don't have a, a, a good quarterback. So... They're obviously not a threat. I think they're one, 1-5-1 and, one, five, and one right now. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about them uh, in, in a little bit because they're the next opponent for the Titans, but that should be a win for the Titans, and, and the Texans aren't a threat at all in the AFC South. The Jaguars aren't either. They keep losing games. Like They had a, a, a fun little start at, at the beginning of the year, and they looked like an up-and-coming offense with Trevor Lawrence uh, having one or two good games games they crushed the chargers who by the way are terrible like just a terrible team i don't even know how they've won four games to be honest um and doug peterson is kind of finding uh the sledding a little bit more difficult than at the beginning of the season uh and they just traded away james robinson who has been a a, kind of a cog in their offense over the past uh few years before that achilles terror that he had they completely phased him out etn looks looks good he looks explosive Uh, But kind of a weird situation there with trading away Robinson. They're 2-5. They don't and really seem like too much of a threat. And then we've already beaten the Colts twice, and they just benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. So, I mean, this is the Titans division to win easily. I think it would have to be a complete implosion on the Titans part. Maybe if Tannehill is out for uh, several weeks. I don't think so. It doesn't seem like his injury is that bad. And even if he's out, I feel like Willis can— can kind of carry the offense at least. I don't think he needs to do much because Tannehill isn't really doing much. They're just winning with defense uh, in a really good running game because Derrick Henry looks great and the offensive line is run blocking well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, the AFC South is the Titans to lose. I, I don't think they're going to give it up. And, and then it comes down to what seed they get. I think the Bills and the Chiefs are going to end up with the top two seeds, uh, but the Titans are right there to snag that third Uh, which is a good it's a good seed in the in this AFC
2: yeah like there's only one bye week now you know I I, I think everybody knows that but it's been a while since we talked about the playoffs just in general because it's you know only October but there's only one bye week so two and seven are the same you know it's like you get to host a playoff game and that's cool and you know blah 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 but the you know the most important number is the number of games you play so there's one and then there's kind of everybody else so you know like (laughs) i'm i'm always very hesitant to count chickens before they hatch and all that so i'm not you know i'm I'm not gonna say the whole like the, the titans you can't catch them or anything like that but i don't know a strong argument that for anybody to catch the Titans because even when the Jaguars beat the Colts or sorry, when they beat the chargers, like we just, like you just talked about, they're not good now. And they were worse then like Keenan Allen, wasn't in uh Bosa like started the game and left. So they didn't have a plan for him. They lost their starting left tackle. I believe that that same game too. So, and I don't know if Derwin James got banged up in that game. That may just be me conflating the last few years with that game too. But regardless like in in Herbert I don't know if I said that you know he has his cracked ribs and you know they were they were making him play and he was barely making it through and that was his first game back so you know
4: he's not playing well like I don't know if he's injured or the the I mean the offense is bad in general yeah. the scheme but he's not he does not look like a top 5 he doesn't look like a top 10 quarterback right now
2: Well, I mean, for most of his career, he's had a healthy Mike Williams and a healthy Keenan Allen and a healthy Austin Eckler. And it's like, you know, when you've got, you know, everybody complains, oh, poor Justin Herbert, his offensive line's not great. Okay, that's fine. But he's always had enough weapons to where you can't really blitz him because he can just dump it off for a screen pass to one of the best receiving backs in the NFL or he could just run crawl like that offense has been so easy to run. And I'm not saying that he's an illusion or anything like that. He's great. And when they let him take shots downfield, that's great. But if you're going to call plays where you're taking shots downfield, you're going to leave your ribs exposed and you're going to get cracked. And so when you've got rib issues, you really can't do the one thing that makes you special. And that's kind of where they are now. But, you know, going back to the AFC South, like, I don't think, I think everybody expected Davis Mills to be better. And then two games into the season, it was clear that he'd gotten worse or at the at the very least stayed the same, but I, I would argue he's gotten worse. So the, the shine kind of went off of that apple really quick. So, you know, you're back to the Colts, which they would have to win. What They'd have to have one game, a better record than us. And I believe the NFL counts wins, not losses. So they would have to have one more win than us despite the fact that they already have a tie. So that that would be a difficult ask for them anyway. So I I would say that the numbers suggest that the Titans will make the playoffs and you know where they are in seeding and all that, you know, that that that'll be a question for a different day. But yeah, like you have to feel pretty good about the way the Titans answered these challenges because even as soon as last year, or the year before the Titans would drop one of these games, like the Titans would lose a close game to somebody. They didn't have any business losing to. And, you know, we talked about it's so it. So true. We completely
4: but, forgot about that.
2: <laughs> they yeah, have not I been mean,
4: losing the games that they're supposed to lose.
2: <laughs> we've, I think we've literally lost to the Texans every year. Mike Brable has been in the head coach. Maybe there was one year. No, we didn't, we didn't lose to him uh, the year when it went to overtime. And when Derek, when they had that crazy game where it was like the first time in Titans history where we had a 300-yard passer, um, I want to say it might have been a 200-yard rusher and a 100-yard receiver or something crazy like that. It was just bananas like stats, and that they did that, and it was Watson's last game in uh, Nissan. So I-, I I remember that, but uh, other, but last year they lost to him in that terrible rain game then the year but and then not last year or the year before but the year before that that was the game where the ball bounced like off of who's chest or whatever it r- or it was off of berkser's chest and it went directly to the defender who like took it 90 yards to like the 10 yard line and then they lost that game in a one score game so that- the texans have really been the titans kryptonite more than anything else over the last few years so that brings us back to this weekend and how they just need to make sure they keep their foot on the gas because Again, we, we've seen this team lose to a lot of bad teams in the past because as much as Vrabel likes pitching, being the underdog, it's hard to pitch the underdog when you're playing a two-win team or a one-win team, and we've seen them stumble a lot against those guys.
4: Yeah, it's very interesting that you brought up um, that the Titans just have not lost uh, to these bad teams, which has become... It was a staple. It was a staple of the Mike Vrabel uh, Titans that they would beat the elite teams in the NFL when they were underdogs and they would lose games that everyone expected them to win against lesser teams. That's just not happening this year. I mean, they lost to the Giants and it looked like it was the same Vrabel's Titans but it, it's not. The Giants are really good. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now. They're beating everyone. They they beat the Ravens. Uh, they just beat the Jaguars. Obviously, the Jaguars aren't good. But they've only lost one game. Brian Dable's doing a terrific coaching job there. Uh, then we get trounced by the Buffalo Bills. That looked like a game that the Brabels Titans of the past would end up winning. You know, huge underdog uh, coming in with adversity. Uh, They've just won that game in past seasons, but did not happen this year. They got absolutely crushed. Um, And then, you know, the games against the bad teams come around and they just keep winning. They keep winning by like a touchdown or nine points or whatever it is. But they're finding ways to win. uh, And it seems like the Titans have gone in a completely different direction as a team uh, in terms of winning games that they had in previous seasons. So, We'll see if that continues. They have a couple of games coming up uh, that are easy and other ones that are supposed to be probably losses for them. Uh, I would say the game in Kansas city and then the game in Philadelphia are probably, they're going to be big underdogs in those. Uh, But then they got games against the Texans, the Broncos that are terrible. Uh, The green Bay one might be a toss up. The Bengals one might be a toss up, but they get the Jaguars Texans again uh, and the Jaguars again. So, We'll see what type of uh, Titans team we get over these next uh, couple of weeks, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how they do. Uh, We're going to take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and break down the Houston Texans a little bit more, the Titans week eight opponent.
3: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email
0: at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
1: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, Everything just makes sense.
0: Go to Grammarly. dot com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly. dot com slash podcast. Easier said done.
4: Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Uh, so the Titans now at four and two uh, out of their bye week, they get a win against the Colts, and now they come up against the Houston Texans. Uh, they have to travel to Houston for this one. Uh, four p. Well, three p.m. for uh, for you guys, 4 p.m. for me on the East Coast game. Kind of weird that they made this an afternoon game. But I I I don't know why. Um, I guess they're just splitting up some of these uh, times for whatever reason. This, but I feel like the Titans and Texans have always played uh, at 1 p.m., 12 p.m. for you guys. Uh, so this that that was a little bit weird. I wasn't expecting uh, that that late window game for the Titans, but at least it means there will probably be less games to to keep an eye on. And we could just focus completely on the Titans. So going into this game, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not going to do the, I would be shocked if the Titans lose this game, but I, yeah, I I would, I would be very shocked if the Titans lose this game. I don't really see it happening. Maybe it does, you know, uh, but like we just talked about before the ad break, the Titans have not, lost to teams that are bad this year it just has not happened and it seems like they they've done a 180 from the previous seasons where they've lost to the likes of a terrible Jets team or or even uh, Texans teams that haven't been good uh, in the past it's happened with the Colts as well I just I I, I feel like the times are, are going to go there it might be a close game it might be just because the Titans don't like to blow anyone out. Uh, and Tannehill is probably going to be gampy, So I don't know how great the offense is going to be running, but I mean, there's a, is, there's is a game that the Titans should and, and probably will win.
2: Yeah. Like again, I, I'm, I'm always very hesitant because, you know, I hate putting my foot in my mouth, but this is a game that sets up perfectly for the Titans. Even if Tannehill's hurt, like, the Texans ranked 32nd in the league in rushing yards allowed. Like
4: awful, awful run defense. I mean, like,
2: truly terrible. Who knows what'll happen with this Titans strength and conditioning staff, and who they'll decide to hurt this week? But if by some miracle Nate Davis still exists, and if Torrey Carter comes back, then it you know they should just run the ball over and over. I mean it should be 25 carries for Henry. 15 carries for uh, Haskins and then have 10 plays where it's a design Malik Willis run like they like every I saw everybody, you know, there was sort of a back and forth on Twitter between Titans fans and analysts and all that last week where everybody was saying, well, you wanted to to see like a Taysom Hill package for Uh, Malik Willis and then he comes out and he fumbles and it's like yeah but that's not what Taysom Hill typically does like what Taysom Hill typically does is he takes the ball at a shotgun and then he either rolls one way or the other and runs or pat like it's not we're gonna give it to him as a true running back like or we're gonna treat him as a jet sweep like wide receiver like that like he's not Percy Harvin So
4: he's a a wildcat quarterback pretty
2: much. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's not Debo. He's not Percy Harvin for the old school people like me. Like, yeah, he's a wildcat quarterback. And I I don't mean that in a derogatory way that he'll never be a starting quarterback. But, you know, we saw him in the preseason. Like we, we like we're away from the preseason now. We can all admit what what he was. And that was he was when he worked his best was when he was a one read protect the ball and escape up in the pocket if you see a lane. But sitting back and going through three reads didn't work for him even when there was protection, which, granted, there wasn't a lot of good protection in the preseason games. But, you know, you're playing against faster defensive backs, less wide-open people. Like, you've got to make quicker decisions in the regular season, So, and they're going to scheme for you. So I don't think that part's going to get any easier. I think what you can do is you can have him line up with, you know, Four wide receivers, and say, okay, if my pre-snap read takes me here, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to look at it as soon as the ball's snapped. And if it's not there, I'm tucking it and running. But at least that forces the defense to play you more honest than a wildcat quarterback situation with Derrick Henry would. So, like, I, I I would not mind seeing that at all this week. We'll kind of see what happens with Panhandle and and where they go. The Titans and basically every, you know, like Jim White and like a lot of people like close to the team have, you know, seemingly downplayed the injury. You know, Mike Vrabel said it was fine on on Monday after the game. And, you know, he said he's progressed and we'll see where he is Monday or Wednesday. Now, again, that means that you have to rely on somebody with a medical degree in that facility to tell you that. And I'm not sure any of the strength and conditioning or the training staff has a medical degree. But. You know, allegedly. But I I don't know. Like, I I don't I don't know if it's worth playing him, but again, you don't want to lose the games you should win because that's a slippery slope. Like, if you're you know, if you lose this week because you're you know, you rest Tannehill and Willis goes out and throws an interception and fumbles it and doesn't do anything, you know, spectacular, and then you uh you watch like the Colts and the Jaguars win games. It's like, well, now all of a sudden there's a lot more heat down the back of your neck, and you don't have wiggle room going into Kansas City, Denver, and Green Bay. So, as much as this isn't like a must-win game or anything, it's one of those that you kind of have penciled in, and you need to make sure you take care of business. So, it's uh, it's stressful because like at least when you play the Colts or when you play. Uh, like Buffalo, or if we knew we were playing the Giants and that was coming up, you can say, okay, if they play well, they can beat this team. If they don't, they'll lose. But either way, this is one you didn't have penciled in as a win going in. And, you know, if you win, it's just bonus credit. If not, it's kind of what you were expecting. But this is not one of those games. This is one of those games where, for the next 11 and a half months, people say, yeah, they're the te- they're the Titans and they were the first, number one seed in the AFC, but they lost to the Texans and they lost to the Jets. How much can you really trust this team? Like, it's one of those kinds of games. So. We'll see where it goes, but I mean, everything on paper, the fact that they're so bad on rush defense, the fact that they're not explosive at all on offense, it, I mean, I, that's it may seem like an understatement just with how their games have been, but they're just. They're not. I mean, they're just not very fun in any way. Like they they want to be the Titans, and they they've got Pierce who's who's good, but I mean he's not an explosive, like consistent home run hitter. He's kind of a like Marshawn Lynch, but it, slower. I get like I I I don't really know how to describe him. Like he he needs to like have those physical carries and maybe he'll break one for a long run in the end, but he's not like a burner or anything like that. Like He's really only going to get you if you put eight in the box and everybody misses.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Damian Pierce is really their only form of offense at this point. Brandon cooks, he hasn't gotten phased out, but he's just not a big part uh, of what they're doing. And it seems like he's probably going to get traded before the trade deadline, which, when is that by the way is that within the, within it's, the next
2: couple of weeks It's next week it's yeah it's next week so it's uh, oh, Okay I think it's November 1st which I believe is next Tuesday so the next time we so, talk so to you, the Titans <laughs> will already have uh, all their pro bowl receivers that they traded sure, for yeah
3: Sure, sure. Uh,
4: What that means is the Texans are going to showcase Brandon Cooks for 200 yards against the Titans. And uh, then they're going to trade him away. Just kidding. Just kidding. Everyone everyone relax. But um, as I was saying, Brandon Cooks really hasn't done much this season for the Texans. He hasn't really been a huge part of their uh, offensive game plans. Nico Collins, their big athletic receiver, who's pretty good at contested catches kind of like a Mac Hollins type of player. Uh, maybe could have given the Titans some fits, but I'm pretty sure he got injured this past week. I think he had a groin injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game. And then you go back to their other players. I mean, it's it's Jordan Aikens. It's, it's, it's Chris Moore. Uh, Brevin Jordan, uh, former Miami Hurricane. Uh, not very good so far. O.J. Howard, we all know about him. This is a bad team. Like, their only really good offensive player is Damian Pierce, and and he definitely can move the chains. But like you said, he's not super explosive. He breaks a lot of tackles. But the Titans play really good run defense. They have pretty much all season, except for, I'd say, week one against Saquon, uh, although they kind of had him bottled up in the first half. And then I I don't know what happened uh, in the second half. Saquon just turned into—I mean, Saquon has been, like— top one running back this year. So I uh, really can't fault the Titans run defense too much there, but yeah, the, the Titans have been really stout and, and when they want to sell out and really stop the run, like they did against the Colts and Jonathan Taylor a couple weeks ago, we saw what they could do. They held him to like under 30 yards. I think it was or something like that. Uh, they just completely bottled him up and, and they really could do that against the Texans if, if they truly wanted to. And I don't think, Any of the Texans' ancillary uh, outside receivers can do much damage. But, you know, know, obviously that means that Brandon Cooks is going to have a 100-plus yard game just because I said that. But I don't know. I, I, I just don't see this team giving the Titans too much trouble. And even on defense, like, they're schemed up relatively well. And they've had some good games. But they also just gave up 38 points to the Raiders. Uh, they gave up 34 points to the Chargers offense that does not look good against almost any other team. Uh, they gave up 23 points to the Chicago Bears, who looked like one of the worst offenses in the league up until this last um, Monday night game against the Patriots, which, that, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was about. But the Texans' defense isn't overly good, and like you said before, their rush defense is atrocious, literally like— the worst in the league. I think the only other team that could give them a run for their money is the Chargers. But I mean, this is a game that Derrick Henry should absolutely go off and he, he probably will, given how he's playing, given how the offensive line is playing and given how many touches uh, they're probably going to give to him in this game with Tannehill hobbled and potentially uh, out of this game. I will say if Malik Willis does play, this this is the week, right? This is the week to, to play him. Like the the other teams' run defense is awful. You have Derrick Henry in the backfield right next to him. You can run a lot of read option stuff. Willis is such a good runner. Uh, you could do a lot of power stuff with him as well, like the Bills do with Josh Allen. Like this this is the week to to form a game plan uh, around him and around the running game to to get him a little bit of confidence and if needed, for him to, to come out with a win for you if Tannehill can't go.
2: Yeah, it's a weird spot because I don't think Tannehill has any interest in not playing. Like, if he didn't want to play, he could have just sat out against the Colts. Like, they were they were already up by at least, I, I want to say they were up 19-10 when he got hurt. But, like, you know, they, they you know, he could have easily just said, look, I, you know, I'm hurting, like you can spat me up, do whatever, but I'm not going back out there unless I absolutely have to, you know, not, not that he would ever say something or not that a normal quarterback would, but if it was that bad, they could have held him out. And, you know, you can watch the Buffalo game and somebody pointed this out to me too, where in the Buffalo game, when they decided to like, let him sit and let Willis take the set like later in the second half, because the game was just out of reach, like, you know, they they didn't want Tannehill to get hurt in a game that didn't mean anything, and it wasn't that the offense wasn't producing. It was that the defense wasn't doing it either. So they were just getting stomped and pulled all their key starters out. So you know that's and even then like Tannehill did not want to get taken out of that game. Like he you know he was arguing with Vrabel and you know he was he was lobbying to go back in blah blah blah. So I don't I don't expect that there's any part of him that doesn't want to play. Um and on top of that, like, it, he's he's in a weird spot because everybody on the team praises how tough he is. You know, like Jeffrey Simmons came out after the game and said, you know, he's like one of the toughest players on the team. Like, it's really rare that you have a quarterback that you can say that about. But Tannehill's like, you know, he's one of the guys and he's, you know, he's a physical dude and it's hard. You know, he he plays with that intensity. Like, you don't ever want to have a second of wavering in the locker room around you as a quarterback. And so the fact that he went back in, the fact that, you know, Vrabel kind of downplayed the injury, you know, I don't expect him to practice on Wednesday. I expected to say limited or did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday. And I expect Friday to be the day when we see like what, see what, you know, if he's full, okay, cool. If he's not, whatever if he's, you know, if he's limited, okay, maybe they split reps with him and let him start and do some stuff, but it's going to be, you know, 75% of the game plan is going to be a run or Malik Willis wildcat. But I, I don't know. I like this. This is it, like you said, like if if you're going to play Willis, this is the week because Grenard's on our like their best pass rusher. And then, you, you know. The defense, Desmond King is cool, former Titan Desmond King, who I always loved. I'm glad he played here for a little bit and he's done aggravatingly well for the Texans. But, you know, there's not a lot to worry about, you know, uh, when you play that defense. So hopefully, you know, cro- cross my fingers and, you know, put my hands together and pray and all that. But hopefully, Nate Davis is back and hopefully the Titans move Raiden's over to left tackle where. And they take Daly out because Daly's been atrocious. And I I would have hoped that was one of the changes that would have been made if Nate Davis had played. But, you know, we didn't get that. But hopefully that's a change that they make and they just go from there. And then they say, like, okay, you know, we're going to ease in this this new offensive line for what we want it to look like the rest of the year. We're going to start slow with this game where we don't have to deal with any monster pass rushers. And then we'll see how it goes and move on from there. But if you've got Malik Willis and he's spinning into sacks, like I don't think that helps you like in that scenario. And then if it doesn't work and he doesn't know to get rid of the ball, then you get him absolutely walloped. So I, I don't know. It's, it's always a hard thing. There's no good time to play your backup quarterback uh, unless you're in the middle of a game and you're up 40 points. So we'll see. And may, maybe that's how it goes. Maybe Derrick Henry rips off, you know, Two 80 yard gains and he finally gets his big touchdown. So people can quit asking him that question and then they control the game. And in the third quarter they put Willis in and it's all good, but we'll see how that goes as, as the week goes on. And I, it, for all the people who don't think Tannehill is going to play, I think it's going to be really hard to convince him not to play unless he's physically unable.
4: I want to ask you this because I, I noticed something weird with uh, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when Tua was out with a concussion uh, and Teddy Bridgewater had gotten ruled out of a game with a concussion as well, although he didn't he didn't even have a concussion, uh, the problem was he had to go through the protocol and he couldn't take practice reps, so he pretty much gave Skylar Thompson, who played well in the preseason, their third string quarterback, all of the practice reps and started him uh, in the Sunday game. Uh, because what he had said is that he doesn't want to play a quarterback that can't practice fully for the week. I thought that was very interesting. What are your thoughts on Tannehill not practicing for the whole week and not getting any reps? Would you rather just give Willis all of the reps, since he's fully healthy, uh, and start him on Sunday, or do you not care? I think it's a different situation because, obviously, like backup quarterbacks and Tannehill is established. He's already been... Uh, in the offense, but I was just wondering if you have any uh, sort of what what do you think of that?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think that Tannehill needs any you know any sort of time or anything like that. Like, I I think he would like to go through it just to feel familiar with it. But at this point, you know, they they like they know what they have in Tannehill. Tannehill's been in this you know quote unquote offense for a year and a half now with Downing, like it's not like they're going impl- to like suddenly say, you know what? We're actually going to run uh, a ton of five wide receiver sets. So, it, you know, they, I would say they're they don't change.
4: have, they don't have five wide receivers. Yeah. yeah they can't good
2: even point. They'd be forced to play people like uh, Chigakonkwo and let them play it and, and actually catch passes, which would be dangerous. Um, but so I don't expect it to be a big, like fundamental shift. Uh, at the same time like I don't know whether I, I don't know how to read this but when they talk about what Malik Willis does in practice like Mike Vrabel always talks about how you know he's running scout team and all that kind of stuff which you know I guess you do because you don't want to waste reps with your one you know you don't you don't have all the time that you do in in training camp where you can spend a bunch of time in team with a whole first team and a whole second team but I, I don't know. Like I, I'd be almost worried that he would mess up. like you'd spend too much time working with him and not enough time working with everybody else, and that it would be too much like, okay, what are we what are we gonna do to change it for you? And so I, I would almost like, le- okay, so let's say that we don't think that they want to practice handheld for the first two days, regardless, and you have to have, you have to figure out what you're gonna do with those reps. Like I would still run the same type of practice. But as far as, you know, implementation and like what the game plan is going to be, I'm still planning like Tannehill is going to play like I'm planning like, you know, I'm not going to run a practice where you're running 75 percent of your plays, you're running your wildcat and all that, like because I think Willis could fit in 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 sort of spot duty just because I think that's what he's been working towards. But I don't know, like I don't know if that's a good answer to your question, but I just I, I I don't care if my starting quarterback practices at all, just because once once they've been with the team for a couple of years, the mental part of it's already, you know, kind of locked in. Like, we saw that in week one, right? Like, they he didn't practice live action all, tr- all, you know, all training camp. Like, I mean, he did team stuff, but it wasn't like he was, you know, going out there and playing uh, in the preseason game. So, you know, he didn't do any of that. But as soon as he got out there, you know, he threw two touchdown passes to – uh, Hilliard and they had like more explosive passes than anybody else in the NFL like most 20 plus yard passes so you know they they were explosive without needing the the you know quote-unquote like practice reps of the preseason in the preseason games so I, I trust Hill to be fine whether he gets any practice or not
4: yeah I agree I don't think it's a big uh deal if he doesn't practice uh more importantly it's how he feels like if he can't move without pain then that's an issue and probably just go with Mal- Malik Willis there but even if he isn't a bunch of pain I bet Tannehill wouldn't even say anything <laughs> we wouldn't even know uh but we'll see what happens so last topic I wanted to discuss uh before we get to stop the nonsense Kyle Phillips got placed on IR after I think he had a hamstring injury Uh, I, I, it's, it's either the shoulder or the hamstring that he got placed on IR with. I don't know if there was a a designation for that. My thing is the same thing that we've talked about for so long. How does the strength and conditioning staff still have their jobs? Like, I don't know what else has to happen. And I, I know, I know that a lot of these injuries are just because of football. Football's a dangerous sport. It's very violent players are going to get injured. There's no doubt about it. You know, the t- like the Tannehill injury, that has nothing to do with the strength and conditioning staff because it got rolled up on. That happens all the time in football. But when you're adding to those injuries that are, you know, full contact injuries, you're adding to that these soft tissue injuries that just keep happening and keep happening. And it's just ridiculous at this point. Like, the Titans and the Chargers have to have the worst uh i don't know fitness training eating programs that i've ever seen because every single year for the past two to three to four years they are at the very top of the list in terms of players getting injured and every single year is the same thing and nothing changes and honestly what does it hurt you to just try something new
2: yeah like i i I said it today the um you know there's no direct correlation between i always have to make sure i don't use correlation and causation in the wrong spot there's no correlation between training staffs and soft tissue it, like that that's the thing we continue to hear is that like there's no evidence that these and and again and i said this in the tweet like i like stop right there it's like i understand what you're going to say and if it's a fluke with a few guys getting injured or a few guys getting injured at, at different positions or just random ACL tears or whatever. The problem is this was the most injured team in NFL history last year. They played more guys. They set a record for most players played. And this wasn't like, Oh, by week 17, they barely scraped under this was in like week 14. I mean like th- this would have been a record back when the OJ, you know, when OJ was playing. So, That, like, that is bad. That is a fireable fence already. To have it, to be on the same pace again this year, you know, maybe they're just the most unlucky people in the world, but they should still be fired. Because whatever they're doing is, it may not be hurting, but it's certainly not helping. And
4: I I just, I, like. That's the thing, right? That's the thing, right? Like, they're not helping to avoid injuries, I don't know if this it's their fault that players are getting injured, but they're not doing a very good job of avoiding injuries and also getting their players back uh, as quickly as possible. We see so many injuries that linger for weeks, and some other players like so on some other teams, like Damian Harris for the Patriots, he pulled a hamstring. Uh, it was expected that he, he was going to miss multiple weeks. He's back within—he misses one game, and he's back, and, and as good as new for the next week. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, like, it's not even, like, okay, the injuries are bad. I, I don't want to downplay the injuries because, like, that's that's the whole thing here, right? But it's not even just that the players are getting injured. It's that the injuries are taking longer to recover from than other people with the same injuries. Like, uh, Traylon Burke's Turf Toe, that should be, he should already be back. Like, they put him on our, you know, uh, what was it before the commanders game? Like, okay, you want to be safe, fine, but there's really like, he should be there now. Like a good training stat. And maybe it's a severe injury. I I don't know how you'd be able to tell that with turf toe, but maybe it's a more severe version. But then you look at Zach Cunningham, they misevaluated whatever his injury is because he's not on injured reserve. And, you know, he's missed the last three games, right? Uh, the Colts commander and Colts again. So he's missed those games. Like that should have been a guy who goes on IR. then you have, uh, uh, there's somebody else who's has Oh, uh, Ola, there you go. Uh, Ola Dany who was inactive for like three weeks before they put him on IR because it was a neck thing and they couldn't, they allegedly, you know, you couldn't, it's a pain tolerance thing or it's, you, it's something where you're not sure how it'll heal up or whatever, but it's just like, I mean, what are we doing? Like, what? Like, what's? I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like this team is exceptionally strong. It doesn't seem like they're exceptionally fast. It doesn't seem like they're exceptionally healthy. It doesn't seem like they're maximizing their athletic ability. Uh, in what world is, is that? You know, where are, is the positives to this strength and conditioning staff? Like, it, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, they're, they 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 misevaluate injuries all the time. Like, I, I I just I don't understand. I like, i well, I say that I understand. It's because the strength and conditioning staff is the one that Mike Vrabel brought in, and it's the Boston College guy who, you know, uh, he knew from his ties to the area, and then you know he ended up. You know, Tyler Vrabel went to Boston College, so you know Vrabel's got Boston College connections that way. Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's a guy he knows from an area he's familiar with. And as soon as you're in with Rabel, you're in with Rabel. So I understand why. But this is something where if you're Robinson, you have to pull rank and just say, look, like, he, you know, he's got to go. Like, it may not be now, but he can't come back. You know, he's getting like the list of young players who get injured on this team is astronomical. Kyle Phillips, who, you know, is being talked about a lot right now and for good reason, But he played in 30 of 31 games over his last three years, you know, and he was their leading receiver his final year. He was their punt returner forever. This is not a kid who they hid from contact like he would run jet sweeps and he would run, you know, plays into the line of scrimmage. Like it's not like they were hiding him. And then he plays one game with the Titans and now he's got a shoulder injury that rolls into a hamstring injury and he's going to end up missing half the season between those two injuries alone. You know, you've got Traylon Burks who pay who played an sec schedule and grind, like had to grind out, grind out, grind out, you know, as the only focal point of the Arkansas offense. And we look at what Arkansas looks like now, like you, you know, you can see they're struggling without a true wide receiver one on that team. and, you like I, I, he didn't miss a game you know he get, uh, i do think he missed one game in his last two years but he got hurt against texas a&m came back it came back in made big plays like gutted it out versus alabama like this is a dude who played hurt and did that all the time and then now he's got turf toe and he's out longer than other people with turf toe and i just i i don't know it sounds like we're beating a dead horse here and at this point you either believe that the strength and conditioning staff is responsible or you don't but nobody on earth can say that they're doing a positive job the only thing you can say is that there might not be a direct link to them being liable for all these injuries but again that that does not hint towards improvement Uh, and and that's that's the thing it's like even like let's say they were taking swings and it was you know for every Kyle Phillips, you had a Caleb Farley, who was a freak athlete and who was, you know, looked even bigger and faster than he did in college. It's like, no, like he looks slower. Uh, you know, it like all these guys look worse than they did in college and look slower. And you know, when they, when they make plays, they make plays, but it's not because they've suddenly gotten an athletic boost. So I just don't understand how you can defend these guys anymore.
4: Yeah. Uh, you said it uh, as well as I possibly could, and I think you covered almost everything. There's just they're pretty much a negative at this point. There's just no upside to to, to what the strength and conditioning uh, staff is is bringing you. So, but no, it's not going to change because, like you said, once you're in with Brable, that's it. You're 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 good. You're good almost for life at this point. So, um, I don't expect anything to change. Just hopefully. Uh, the Titans do their own uh, strength and conditioning during the off season and don't pay attention uh, to what the Titans coaches are saying. But you're right also, like, this team is not very, like, physically imposing, and it doesn't seem like, uh, like they're doing anything. But it is what it is. The Titans keep winning games despite that, and it's probably going to continue to happen. So, yeah, uh, we're going to take one more ad break here, and then we're going to come back and wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back in to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast. Will, do you have a stop the nonsense for the crowd?
2: Um, it's not it's not a direct stop the nonsense, but I, I had other ones about you know it was going to be sort of dancing on the grave of. Uh, no, you know do what I'm, the Colts. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna not do that, but you know what I it's too it's too good. So, um. I went on a podcast earlier a round table earlier this year uh, in the off season. And I, you know, I was, I was asked to discuss the AFC South and, you know, it was, it was me and, and three other guys who represented the AFC South teams. And, you know, the Texans and the Jaguars kind of knew where they were like the Texans knew that it was, look, they got the Browns picks. They're hoping for a terrible year from the Browns and that, Davis Mills might be a quarterback to to you know build around, whatever. Then you had Jaguars fans who thought it might be Trevor's year to come up and that all that money on offense was going to make them look better, but that they they didn't think that they were gonna be better than a six win team or anything like that. Cool. I you know I can understand that. I can see where the signs are pointing for that. But, you know, the I'll call him an ambassador. I don't know, I don't know what a better way to say it is. The spokesman for the Colts was so convinced that matt ryan the the audacity to believe that matt ryan wasn't miles above ryan Tannehill at this point and the 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 idea that this wasn't going to be a bounce back year and that the defense wasn't going to be even better and that now that Everfluss was gone, and that the offense wasn't going to take a monumental step forward, and we were going to get these huge breakout seasons. And Jonathan Taylor was so much better than Derrick Henry that this was going to be a year where they hoped they didn't give him the ball enough times for him to get two thousand yards, but that they might do it by accident because he's so good that you know, even if you only give it to him fifteen times a game, who knows how many yards you can get? Just these pipe dreams of of hope, and you know, th- this is our year, and uh, the Colts have had us the last two years, and, and it's not really fair because Carson Wentz, oh, that was just a mistake, but it was a good idea. And Philip Rivers, oh, like you know, the, he had him, but he just ran out of gas right at the like, – all these, like, uh, nobody's had it as hard as us. We hurt – you know, Andrew Luck got hurt, and our fans booed him, and that was such a sad time for us. Just all these, like, little different pieces of, you know, excuse-making and building in this is why we sucked, but these guys are actually great. And – how I, I said I, I believe I said that I thought the Titans would win 11 or 12 games this year. I I was not expecting the Titans to have a, a, the same injury. I thought for sure that injury luck would meet back in the in the middle, and that you know we would have a decent year injury wise. It doesn't look like that's true. But regardless, and this was before we lost Harold Landry. But regardless. Eleven to twelve wins is was fair at the time. I think it's fair now, and all that. And he 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 essentially said, whatever the the Titans have, the Colts will have like one win better. Or just I don't know if he said it was twelve wins or what, but just all this stuff. And we are what eight weeks into the we're in week eight of the season, and. I believe even if they won out, they couldn't get the they couldn't get to twelve wins. Is that right? Because they're three three and one, so it's seven games. They need to maybe they can get to it. And I'm doing the math wrong, but either way, it's a it, the the idea of of Matt Ryan being the savior, you know, the prince who was promised and all this, and then it all come crumbling down. And Fire Frank seems to be trending every week, along with Andrew Luck and. All this stuff it's it's a perfect i'll I'll retweet the podcast if you see a random podcast retweeted on tuesday night or maybe i'll i'll quote tweet the uh no nonsense podcast page with a link to the article and y'all y'all can hear our back and forth where he asked what the titans did in the playoffs and i asked him how did the colts do in the playoffs last year like it, it, it was a fun back and forth and i enjoyed it but it's it's good to have that kind of done and out of the way already and so that that's my stop the nonsense it's just I think we should finally put the kibosh on everything with the Colts organization, put them to bed, you know, bury them six feet deep. And then we'll see what happens this off season, who they trade away, who they fire, which should be everybody, how Jim Irsay takes it. You know, if he's calm and measured, or if he goes crazy, like, well, let's just see how it all goes.
4: Yeah. Just to piggyback on the Colts. I mean, we could talk. We. We could do a whole episode (laughs) about them. Um, And this wasn't necessarily my stop the nonsense, but I did find it funny that Frank Reich uh, in the press conference said that he told Matt Ryan, uh, we didn't hold up our end of the bargain here. We promised you one of the top NFL rushing games and we promised you great protection. (laughs) And we have it really as an offense delivered on that. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be trading for someone who's completely reliant on having the best running game in the NFL and the best offensive line in the game. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't trade and put all your chips in for a quarterback that is completely dependent on that. I don't know. That's just that's just my that's just my personal opinion. I also found it kind of funny that I mean this is all a Jim mercy thing, right? Like he he's the one who's kind of calling the shots at this point. It, it seems like Frank Reich is on borrowed time and probably Chris Ballard too. But I found it funny that. Matt Ryan, like, they had said he had a shoulder injury, but they didn't, like, outright say that that's why he was being benched. Like, they just came out and said, he's done for the whole year. That's it. <laughs> Dude, you had the perfect out. That was, yeah. like, the the PR goldmine right there. Just, he's injured. He can't play right now. Can't play to the best of his ability we're going with Sam Ellinger for the foreseeable future. But no, no, they needed to make this look as bad as humanly possible. It was they so They spiked weird. the
2: ball. Like, like, a, like, essentially, it came out in ways where they're like, Sources say they're going to bench uh, Matt Ryan. And then it was like, actually, he has a shoulder injury, and that's why he's getting benched. And then they came out and clarified it, and they said, no, like, it must have been Frank Reich who was the one who did it because it's Frank Reich versus Chris Ballard. And it has been since last year when I po- I posted uh, right after the Colts season was over. There was like this six-minute long clip, and I think it was Florio on one side, and um, maybe I think it was Florio and uh it, it was basically just him and a guest like laying into frank reich and it was so clear that it was uh chris ballard says you know like release the hounds like make it look like i gave him every chance to win with my talent and he's di- he didn't because he's in it it was so clear then a week later jim ursay was talking about how the titans had the colts on a leash like i think this is his direct quote and then you know it's so it's been a civil war in there no matter what anybody says and now it's like matt ryan's only getting benched because he's hurt which is the chris ballard spin on it and it's actually no he's bad and we need to try something else and that's the frank reich spin on it so complete chaos like i don't know i i think frank reich is plus 400 to be the next head coach fired and i would absolutely jump on that if any if i was anybody else like it, Hackett is is the guy in front of him, but I don't think they're going to fire Hackett after one year, or at least not in the middle of the season. And so, like, I, I don't – I don't, I think Kingsbury might be in front of him too, but I don't think they're going to fire Cliff Kingsbury right this second. So, I mean, Frank Reich, you could be listening to this, and Jim Arce could have just gotten a wild hair, and he fired him overnight on Tuesday, and I, we don't know it yet. But it's just, like – you're right, though. Like, them just essentially, like – owning themselves in an attempt to get like the upper hand is so funny to watch.
4: Yeah, that was um that was hilarious. That there's just severe dysfunction within that organization and I'm glad it's finally coming to lie the Chris Ballard's uh PR campaign uh is finally coming to an end it seems. I mean, if he survives this season then, then I don't I don't understand anything about anything, but Anyway, uh, that wasn't really my stop and nonsense. It, I guess it was part of it, but there was another uh, tweet. It, it concerned an AFC South team as well. It was from friend of the pod. Just kidding. He's not, I've never even heard of him. Uh, Tyler Whitmore. Um, I don't know what he, I don't know what he does, but he 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 tweeted something about the Jaguars. He tweeted, "When James Robinson touches the ball over 12 times, the Jaguars are 2-0." When he touches the ball less than that, the Jaguars are 0-5. The Jags, after starting 2-1, now lose four straight since Travis Etienne has taken the reins at running back. I mean, you want to talk about correlation and (laughs) causation not having anything to do with one another? I mean, what? Why does does that matter at all? Also, when we already know that the reason these— running backs, these plodding running backs get a lot of touches uh, and they have a lot of touches in games where their teams win, it's because their team is winning. And that's why they get more touches, because these teams want to run out the clock. By the way, he didn't mention the fact that Travis Etienne over the past three weeks has like over 300 yards of total offense. He's been the only good player on the Jaguars. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence has completely regressed. The receivers don't look good at all. The offensive line is struggling. Etienne has been their only shining light. He's the only one that's making any explosive plays, but he just completely uh, decided to to keep that out. And the fact that James Robinson has been one of the least efficient running backs in the entire NFL this season, he's completely made almost all of his production on, I think two long runs. One of them was against the chargers. uh, And the other one I think was against the Colts. Uh, Yeah. in that win, I don't understand, like, well, what are we doing here? Why are we caping up uh, for James Robinson when he hasn't even been that good this year? And, and and ETN has been their best player. It's super weird. I I don't know what that, uh, what that was about.
2: Yeah. Like, Trevor Lawrence has been I, I mean look he's not been as bad as last year if that if that's a benefit to anybody but he has uh if you include rushing touchdowns he has six to, uh, six touchdowns three interceptions and four fumbles in his last and these are fumbles lost not just fumbles in his last four games so like basically averaging uh two turnovers and, like, one and a half touchdowns per game over the last four games. But just going back to the first point, like, it's so crazy to me that this stat isn't more popular, but whenever somebody says that uh, whenever such and such gets 10-plus carries or whatever, they should just quote tweet it and say, when the starting quarterback has three-plus kneel downs, this team is X and X, And you know, because it's it's, the the same thing. It's the worst stat
4: like the two Jaguars wins that, that he's mentioning that James Robinson touched the ball over 12 times. The Jaguars won 24 to 0 against the Colts and 38 to 10 against the Chargers. Obviously, he's going to get more touches in that in those games that are just complete blowouts. It's oh, my God. And, and, the, and the fact that this had like 800 likes, 80 retweets. Uh, what are we doing? Why, how are people
2: falling for this? People are so desperate for any excuse. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, Jaguars fans want hope. And then if you're somebody who's looking to throw it in their face later, you like those tweets. Because I'm sure I liked that tweet just to throw it in their face later. But it's just like, there's there's so, like, look, I, you don't have to explain to me delusion. Like, I I've been a Titans fan during the dark times when – that, you know, when they had, what was it, five wins in two years? They were two and 14 and three and 13 in 13 in those years. Like, five wins in two years, I get it. Like, delusion is a powerful drug, and you want to talk yourself into reasons why you're not wasting your time when you're watching these players and why some of them may matter. There's a good chance that by the end of the year... Trevor Lawrence is not the odd man out because I think they're going to keep moving pieces until they run out of his rookie contract and have to make a decision where they're going to pay him. But to where uh, somebody's going to get fired, like somebody's going to get fired or somebody's going to have like a a role change or something because he's not, he's not getting better. Like I, I said, he's not as bad as he was last year and he's not, but it's not astronomically better. Like, I mean, it's like for other, you know, not not that quarterbacks develop very well anyway, but like for other quarterbacks who have grown into the like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, like, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes, but I, even that's too high of a standard, obviously. But like even Josh Allen, like, I mean, like it's not like the growth we're seeing is not, Very good, and it's not like oh he's got a whole bunch of games left to play. I mean they've already played seven games, like they've got ten more games. They're almost at the halfway point of the season, and they're two and five. Uh, You know he has a he's five and nineteen in his career. I'm looking at it now. He's twenty one and twenty one touchdown interception ratio. Like I I don't know. I I don't know what you do with it. It just it's sort of right in the middle.
4: I just I just saw a crazy stat. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is one in nineteen in games where the defense allows more than eleven points.
2: <laughs> that, that is
4: insane. That is insane. What? Uh, no, that's crazy. That's that's not good. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. I do think he took a little bit of a step this year, uh, but obviously not as much as you would expect from a number one overall pick. And something I've noticed this year, I don't know what's up with his arm, but he's like. Sometimes he rockets the ball in, and other times the ball is like a Matt Ryan duck that doesn't get to its place, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe he's injured or something, but it's not looking like freshman year Clemson Trevor Lawrence, and, and I don't know if we're ever going to get that at this point, to be honest.
2: No, and you really don't see these guy, like guys have that sort of like disappointing thing without like an injury, or like, you know, it just... I don't know. Like he, like I think somebody put up his map and it's like, if he's, you know, you were talking about like the ball, just like not coming out of his hand. Right. It's like, if it's like more than 15 yards down the field, it's like, it's going to be pit. like, you almost want to play cover three against it. Cause it's like, all we got to do is make him throw it more than 15 yards once. Cause it'll go directly over the receiver and into a defensive back's hands. Like that they have to play like short and controlled. And, Eventually, people are going to start treating him like the quarterback he is, and they're going to put the put eight in the box and make them do something. So, I don't know. It's it, I, I don't. It's got to be tough if you're a Jaguars fan, because if you, if by a chance you're listening to this as a Jaguars fan, I appreciate you because I don't know why you're listening to this other than the fact that you must just love us. But you know, it that that sort of situation where you have to hear this and you have to be like, huh, they're they're wrong. But you've seen like dozens of games at this point where we're right like you have even the most confident jaguars fan has to be like that guy is right like blake bortles did do more for us than this like i mean because it, it's we're, we're close to it getting real nasty because i will retweet anybody who says that blake bortles is better than trevor lawrence just for the chaos but it's starting to feel a little bit accurate
4: yeah uh shout out blake bortles uh the best Jaguars quarterback possibly in history. Just kidding. Just kidding. He there was gone too ones. soon. <laughs> he really, he flamed out quickly, but um yeah, he wasn't very good. Except for that one year. Uh, man, the Jaguars they should have won the Super Bowl that year. That was uh, that that was their chance because I don't think they're gonna get one again for a really uh, really long time. But um we'll see anything's possible in the NFL. Uh, That's going to do it for us. Uh, We'll be back next week to hopefully recap uh, Titans' win over the Texans and preview their Week 9 game against someone that I don't know who the opponent is. Uh, That'll do it for us oh my god oh wow the chiefs that's a big game okay yeah uh that that'll that'll be a fun uh preview show for sure finally a team that we can actually talk a little bit about um and it's actually interesting uh, on the offensive side of the ball at least because these last couple of weeks oh man some of these teams that we've talked about are just are just boring and, and terrible so that'll be fun that'll do it for us thanks for tuning in and remember to always stop the nonsense